Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Transformation. He said hunger, transformation, multiplication. In those three things, tell me which one do you think is first? Thank you. You really can't transform if you're not hungry and you probably shouldn't be multiplying if you're not transformed, okay? When you multiply, you get hungry again. So then you feed more, then you get transformed and then you multiply more, right? It is a cycle, but I would say hunger is first, yes? So I wanna release to you guys a scripture and I think the reason why Yahweh asked me to release this is because I want us to be aware of what we get when it's a teaching night. So that's where I'm gonna get a little bold. Because I will see, now maybe I'm wrong. Let me know, if somebody can let me know, is Facebook just like blowing up right now? I mean, do we have like hundreds of views? Nope, okay. So um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your phones and I want you to go onto Kingdom Ears International. I want you to check in and I want you to share tonight. Here's why I wanna get bold about this. It's easy to come to a worship service. There are hundreds of views and this place is packed. When it's family night and there's food, this place is packed. In fact, we have to add tables and the views are outrageous. Then we get to teaching and it's like, this should be a greater meal to you than any family potluck. I am not dismissing family time or potlucks. That is what saved me. That is the bedrock of my salvation is food. I am not speaking against food. But there is an aspect that teaching and the words that are about to come out of this daughter's mouth should be a greater meal to you than any than, than anything that could be presented. And so I want to challenge this family to honor our teaching nights as much as you honor anything else that we have. Okay? Here's why I'm going to explain this. Matthew 5 is where the Beatitudes are. Okay, thank you. Matthew 5 is the Beatitudes. First of all, I want to release just one thing. The word Beatitude is a Greek-English word to try to title that chapter. It's not even in the Bible. I don't know how many times I've read that and I'm like, what is that be attitude? Just kind of is like, you know what? We're just gonna stick it to you. Here's the attitudes that you need. So just get it right, sit down and just be humble, be meek, right? You've heard all these things. I want to release to you the, uh, the Hebrew. Is that okay? And I'm gonna get to it because does anybody know what the first beatitude is? Somebody read it to me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. The word blessed in Hebrew means fulfilled. So you can read that as fulfilled are the poor in spirit, for they are going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I want you guys to catch this. Many times we have a hard time understanding, at least for me, even though it's in English, I have a hard time understanding poor in spirit. What does that mean? 
especially post Yeshua. What does that mean, poor in spirit? He, first of all, there's, there's something about, well, I don't, I don't wanna go down that road. Let me explain a little bit about the Beatitudes. It's not a list of rules and regulations. It was a worship song. Matthew is the oldest manuscript that keeps its original context. And so it was priests out in the desert would begin to worship these words. And so Yeshua as a rabbi who built his, uh, who built his disciples and the people that followed him out of relationship, he sat with them and he began to teach them the secrets and he would, he would pull them away to a secret place and he would sit with them. And the first thing that he says is, is fulfilled are you if you're poor in spirit because you're gonna inherit and we'll get to that. Poor in spirit physically in Hebrew literally means to be hungry. They, they, they were hungry. That's why he feeds them afterwards, but he feeds them in food afterwards. He's feeding them something. He's taking them away and he's releasing the teaching of an old worship song and what they were, what they were singing, he was teaching them. And the first one says, if you are poor in spirit, which actually translates in Hebrew, if you are hungry, Okay. It actually means in need. It means down and out. It means I don't know where my next morsel of food is going to come from. You are so down and out. You don't know where your next is going to come from. And you are so in need that you are hungry for something. So when it says fulfilled are you when you are down and out, you are so hungry and you don't know where your next meal is going to come from, you are going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now take that spiritually. For you to be so down and out, for us to be so dependent on the word of Yahweh, for us to be so, let me come away with, with, with a rabbi that will teach me the worship song, that would teach me that if I'm so down and out, I am starving. I am starving for a meal and I don't know where it's gonna come from. Those will inherit the kingdom of heaven. What did we talk about? What have we been talking about? The kingdom of heaven. It's the uncreated, uncreated realm. You get access to all of heaven when you're hungry. That's what that's saying. So the reason why I'm being bold is because I want us to honor these nights because a meal's about to come and I expect you to come. I am down and out. I want to understand and know how to inherit the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to inherit the kingdom of heaven tonight because, uh, because we have talked about transformation and multiplication. She's about to bring how to get there. So that means we're going to inherit the uncreated realm now on earth because I am so down and out. I'm so hungry. I don't know where that next word's going to come from. So we're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven tonight. Do we come with that kind of, I'm going to inherit the kingdom tonight. So what she's about to bring, because we kind of flipped it out on you guys. Remember last time when I said, we're going to just stop and just settle here for a little bit and we're going to just go over some foundational things. Well, that is not going to happen. We're going to continue in part three of knowing. We just really felt like Yahweh was like, we're not getting it. 
okay? So what she's gonna release tonight, what has been released to you, just real quick recap, is the teaching word of yada, meaning that the word to know is a little bit more than knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing, right? He just quoted a scripture earlier that you will, you will, you will die if you don't have knowledge. But there's also an aspect of knowing someone so intimately that you gain not only knowledge, but experiential knowledge. Okay? So knowledge is great, vision is great, but experiential knowledge and experiential vision is even better. Okay? So what's going to happen is the first, the first part one was we released what even the word knowing means. That there's more than just the English word knowing. Yes? Second month, we released the vertical representation of clinging to him. What are the three C's? Clinging, communication. I almost just said conspiracy. I've been on a roll and so you never know. (laughs) I'm just gonna slip that in there. (laughs) Consistency, communication and clinging, right? And so she released last month how to vertically do that. Right? Remember, cling so hard to him that you can't cling to anything else. Remember, communication's just not all that stuff. Well, this month, she's going to release the lateral practical application and teaching of knowing. It's going to get weird. And it's going to get awkward. Okay? Right? Because it's an easy amen to say, I'm going to cling to Yahweh all the days of my life. Walk it out. You can hide behind that all day long and say, I did it, I did it, I did it. But when it manifests in your home, when it manifests on earth, all that is is a representation of the truth of what's going on. Now, here's why it's going to get awkward, because typically people don't get to this part of the gospel. (laughs) That's the multiplication side. That's the transformation side. We stop at the cross and say, he's great. But what happens when we say, can you activate the cross on earth? It changes a little bit. And so she's going to be talking about how we do this laterally. And I want to create some scriptural context to make sure we don't get weird and say, well, are you saying our leaders are God? I'm just going to throw that. Are you saying that they are all knowing? Are you saying that, 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 that they have a position in your life that God, nobody should have that kind of position? I'm just going to just get it out of the way. Like just get out out of the way, (laughs) right? There's these questions that come up that say it all the time. Nobody should take that position in your life. Don't you let anybody take that position in your life. Okay. Is there anything else that's out there that I don't know about? I can't think of anything. But if you think of something, let's throw it out there. So, so, um, what was I saying? Okay, okay. So the scriptural contents before, context, before we start thinking that way, I want to just preface, okay? Uncreated realm. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm saying it's up here and we're down here, but just for the purpose of teaching. Uncreated realm, okay? Earth. Heaven on earth now. Right? Heaven on earth now. He's attracted to anything that looks like him. Okay? So there's an activation that we get now to walk out heaven on earth. 
can you guys agree with me that in the uncreated realm, there is not just Yahweh and Yeshua? We say yes, but then when we have to walk out the other aspects of the kingdom, it gets a little bit weird, right? It's easy to cry out to Yahweh. It's easy to cry out to Yeshua. Yeshua, it's, har- it's harder to understand the other aspects. I'm talking angels. I'm talking Holy Spirit. I'm talking about living beings. I'm talking about the living ones. I've said this before. Don't come to the table thinking just Yahweh is going to be sitting there. You have a family in the uncreated realm. Yes? Well, if he's attracted to what looks like heaven on earth, then he gives us access to that family here. Okay? So when he begins to manifest himself in the original intent on earth, all it is is a representation of what's already going on in the uncreated realm that's being made manifest in me. Okay? Does that makes sense. I just want to make sure that there's that context there that when she starts talking about the lateral expression, do we believe that we are vessels and portals, right? Where we are reconciled to him and also reconciled to myself and also reconciled to the family of God. And I don't have to wait for you to wake up and for me to wake up and for us to be joined in unity after we die. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying, don't let us be operating in a death covenant where I say that when you die and when I die, I'll get to see the fullness of Regina. If I believe it, yes and amen for me, why can't I believe it for yes and amen for her? And if I believe it in yes and amen for her and I believe it in yes and amen for me, why can't I believe it for yes and amen for the two of us? Because there's going to come a point where we're going to wake up and be like, I'm walking in my fullness. I'm glowing. I look just like him, (laughs) right? And then you're going to look around and then others are going to start. Why would we not want to synergize with that? That's a Hebrew mindset. Right? There's aspects that I have, and it's like it's a diamond, and I don't know the fullness of who he is and the family of God until all of the aspects and all of the diamonds are fully shining. So all we're talking about is the lateral representation of Yahweh's world on earth right now. We get to have access for that. So the moment you get a question of like, "Mm, I don't think anybody should be that in your life, that's religion and the demon of doctrines. That's the doctrine of demons. Okay, either way. Because what it's doing, anything that comes in to cap you from the fullness, anything that comes in that says you're not allowed, anything that comes in that says, nah, that is not what he has for you. Because it says that if you're hungry for the mysteries, if you're hungry for his word, if you're hungry for the more, you will inherit the uncreated realm. So I'm not going to let anything come in here and say, I don't know if you get to experience that kind of relationship on earth. You should probably wait till you die. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And it's the, and it's the, and it's the kingdom people saying it. While the world has no problem walking that out. So context set. Are you guys hungry? Okay. It's going to be good, and we are about to inherit the kingdom because I'm hungry. Yep. So, Megan, come on up here. 
And I do want to make sure that I let you guys all know that Megan um, has not been given authority to speak to you because it's not hard for her. <laughs> She's not given authority because she knows better. She's not given authority to speak because, because this comes easy. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to release her right now of that lie that says, well, who am I to speak to you? Does that make sense? So if you start, well, why is she saying that? Because I want to make sure that she has full freedom to unlock herself because she does not come up here because she knows that this is easy. But what I will say about Megan is she's obedient. And when he speaks, she'll do it at any cost. Most of the time when it gets tough, there's the, what was said earlier, the, the bucking, the, how, the, the tantrums, the, what, <laughs> what was it? Snarling, right? I mean, go down the list. I mean, all the things the enemy can do, content to starve, uh, suicide, depression, whatever it may be. And, and yet, it doesn't mean that it's been easy but she is obedient when he begins to speak and it and it and it'll cost her her life to be able to walk in that. Does that make sense? Okay. You ready? Cuz we're about to inherit the kingdom. Okay, me too. <laughs> I'm ready to receive it. Okay. I'm going to write a couple things on the board and then I'm going to give a quick disclaimer. I'm going to write a couple things down to make it easier to work through and sort through everything that he's going to release tonight. Okay. already laughing at my question <laughs> meaning like are we ready to answer that okay we're gonna hit a couple things tonight well, we're gonna hit a lot <laughs> so quick disclaimer before we start uh, the last time the Spirit of the Lord released a word on knowing it, it was it was a little it was a little hard to receive, maybe? Is that true? Was it a little hard to receive that part of what part of what part of what keeps us in the cycle that we need to break out of are things like selfishness and complacency? Yeah? 
Hey, I want you guys to be loud tonight and interactive. I need that tonight. I need interaction and I need response because the, the, the word that I'm releasing tonight, I am walking out. I'm not, I'm not standing here again like um, Apostle Tanya, my spiritual mother, like my mom said, I'm not standing here because I know how to do this so awesome and I just hate being alone so much and love and love. And, um, and just am so hungry. I, I, I'm so hungry to not just have time with him, but to have time with all of you. I'm in such an awesome place with all of this that I get to receive the word or get to teach the word of the Lord. That's not the case. So I need some encouragement tonight because it was easy. It was easier for me to release from a place of still what's vulnerability, but from a place of intimacy and connection and hunger and desperation for him. That's easy for me. In my life, in my relationship with him, it has been easy because of my life experiences, because of the way that he saved me, because of the way that I met him, because of of the decision I made to immediately follow him after I first encountered him. Because of that, it has been easy for me to dwell with him every moment of my life. That has been easy. What has not been easy is when he said, I need you to begin to walk that out on earth. The connection that we have, this is his voice, the connection that we have, I need it to become an outward expression. But God, I've been, I've been hurt by people. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't like some people. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I have, I carry some bitterness in my heart towards people. I carry, I carry some, um, some, some anger towards the body of Christ because of what I woke up into. Okay, so I, I, have ha- I have had to, sorry, Gabe said my ears are tiny and weird. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a quote. Um, but but that, that, that is the reality, that when, when you wake up to his goodness, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you wake up simultaneously to his goodness and to how not good either people are or those who claim to know him are, right? It's like if you all of a sudden you're radically woken up to who he is and he pulls you out of, of this pit of, we've been calling it the pit of despair, right? He pulls you out of this pit of despair. He rescues you. He reintroduces himself to you. His original intent was always to be known by you and for you to know him, but separation comes in. Sin, free will, right? We, there's distance. There's a separation that comes in. When he reintroduces himself to you, all of a sudden, you begin to experience who he is, learn about who he is, and sometimes that can come with simultaneously seeing that not everyone who claims that they know him looks like him or sounds like him or acts like him, and it can be jarring. It can be jarring. So it has been, it has been a challenge in my life to desire relationship to the same degree that I have relationship with him with anyone else even my husband 
And that's not that's not a point of of judgment or or no one else's is that that's not what it is. It's there is a level of safety within him that we don't necessarily feel with other people. Right? When you when you begin to know him intimately and 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 trust develops and he peels away, you know, just just uh whatever it is that has concealed your heart from him and he begins to do that in your life, your heart naturally responds back because it was created to. But it wasn't created to end there. But the Lord, as the Lord's been revealing, it ends there because we get stuck in a cycle. That's the cycle that we've been talking about. The cycle that is meant to begin with salvation, but will actually end there. And we never actually follow him to the degree where our life becomes about this this insatiable hunger that produces transformation and multiplication until all the ends of the earth not only are reintroduced to him, but they get to experience him and encounter them for the rest of their lives. And that separation, that separation that he wants restored can take place, right? That's what we're not seeing. On a grand, big picture scale, that is what we are not seeing. So so tonight, we are going to talk about why we don't see that that on earth and it's because it's easier to be alone. We're going to talk about why it's easier to be alone so that we can identify within ourselves why is it easier D for you to be alone? Why is it easier Lori for you to be alone? Why, I mean we have we have to be able to identify that within ourselves if we're going to make the decision to walk out the, to walk out the breaking of this cycle and move out of salvation and into following him which will produce again transformation and multiplication okay okay so the disclaimer is that as we identify those things i want us to understand i had to even today as the lord was speaking more about things that keep me from being hungry for you. That keep me from being hungry for more of relationship, for more connection on earth, for more clinging. That to the same degree that I have with him, come on, I've got to get there. He's got to get me there. But I have to know what it is within me that keeps me from that hunger. I've got to know if I'm going to break out of that cycle. Okay, so I want you to be encouraged tonight that as you hear the word of the Lord and as we start to self-reflect on what those things are, that you know it's just and it's only, bottom line, it is only because there is so much more. It is not about condemnation. It is not about pointing out who is who is selfish or who is a hypocrite or who is, he will point those things out. He will, he will, he will point out hypocrisy in us. He will point out complacency in us. He will, but it is not for the sake of condemnation or shame or judgment. 
It is because there is something, those things have the potential and, and have, had, have been doing it very successfully, have been keeping us from the fullness of who he is. That is the bottom line. So when you, if you decide to shut down because I use the word hypocrisy or because I use the word selfish, okay? Or if I use hoarder, if I say those things about us and you shut down, you are choosing to stay in the cycle. You will make the decision before the word is even released. And it's easy to do because we've been doing it for years. As a body, we've been doing it for years, for hundreds of years. The distance between us and him, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And that separation manifests on earth. That's what we're talking about tonight. It manifests on earth. That's why we don't see unity. That's why we don't see, you know, um, ministries laying down their lives for other ministries. That's why, that's why we don't see the type of multiplication in leadership. That's why we see burnout. That's why we, that's why we see all of those things is because the separation on earth has become so great, so great that, that we, we can't, we can't experience multiplication or talk about, talk about an increase in hunger. We see the exact opposite. Talk about burnout rates. Talk about, I mean, leaders who can only pastor for, for however many years that are dying. We have ministry leaders. We have pastors who are taking their own lives in our nation. They are taking their own lives. Not only is that, is that, I mean, Anyway, we're going we're gonna to get into all of that and how to break out of that cycle that produces death instead of life. Ultimately, any separation from him is death. The further, the further away we get, the closer to death. The closer to him, the more life. Okay? There is a way that we have to walk that out on earth. Okay? So, so that, that is the disclaimer, is that we, would be, that we would recognize that this is an opportunity, that we would recognize what it is that he's asking of us, that it is only because he wants you to experience his fullness on earth. That's it. It's not about, it's not about judgment. It's not about condemnation. It's not about shame. Okay. Do we all, do we all agree? can do that. Okay. Okay. So, I think we're going to start with why we need to cling on earth. And then we'll move to why it's easier to be alone. Okay. We'll, we'll start kind of, this is more encouraging. <laughs> it is. And yes, and this will kind of expose this. So maybe, maybe we won't have to, maybe, you know, the spirit of the Lord will just tell you, oh, that's hurting. And I won't have to say it. (laughs) Right? Okay. Why do we need to cling on earth? There's a lot of reasons. 
There's a lot of reasons, and I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to kind of just give us an overview because I feel like we could teach on this forever. Forever. And we can't. We can't because this is meant to be a lifestyle. So meaning that this is an introduction to understanding what it means to know, to pursue, to cling, to connect. It, it, it's an introduction. It's a wake-up call so that you understand this is meant to be a process that you walk out the rest of your life. We don't have to have it all figured out tonight. That's okay. All right? So we're just gonna, we're just gonna hear from him in kind of some bullet points. Okay. Ooh, that was louder. <laughs> okay. Why do we have to cling? Well, in this series about knowing, we talked about what it is that knowing produces, right? That knowing him produces hunger, transformation, and multiplication, which are the desires of his heart. The greatest desire of his heart is to be intimate with you, to be reconciled, back for his children to be reconciled back to him, right? For that thing that caused division and separation from him to be destroyed and for his children to be reconciled back. That is his heart. That's his desire, right? Okay, we talked about all of that. All right. So in that, clinging on earth if his desire, if the greatest desire of his heart is to be known by us, to be intimate with us, and we were created in his image, get where I'm going. We're, cre- we're created in his image, then we literally were created with the same desire to be known and to experience intimacy as he does. If we were created in his likeness, if we were created in his image, and all he desires is connection with you, then we have that same desire on earth. Why do you think so many people can feel alone when they're not actually alone. Because you have this, you have this, this hunger in you, this desperation, this need to be known. Where did it come from? You were made in his likeness. His desire is to be known. Your desire, the I would, I would be, I would like to say. And I don't think I'd be wrong that if I could say that the greatest desire in every single person's heart in this room is to be known and understood. To be seen. And when I say to be seen, it's like, I just want someone to see me. What does that mean? I want someone to know me. Right? That, that's where it comes from. And that, that has to be a lateral expression. That has to be done on earth. Okay, that's one of the reasons why we cling. Okay. Apostle Tanya touched on it in the beginning. 
when she talked about the fullness that we gain in one another. If we were made, we can keep following this train of thought. If we were made in his likeness and he was made to be intimate and to be known, and that's a desire of his heart, there are aspects in each and every one of us that know him. Regina knows an aspect of him that I don't. So by knowing Regina, I'm knowing an aspect of him that's gathering a part of his fullness. So when I have a relationship with someone else, when I begin to connect with someone else, I'm connecting with that part of him that they know, that they've experienced, that I haven't yet. Now here's, I'm trying not to be all over the place, but here's, here's where clinging comes in, okay? And transformation, again, Everything, everything works together. So if, if I am clinging to someone or I'm connecting to someone who's not activated a part of him, I'm going to know something, but I'm not going to know him. So in that way, so this is when... We're going to get into this later, but this is why there, ha there is a biblical process when it comes to maturity and why it starts with a mother and a father. Okay, because you are not, you are not meant to just cling to anyone and anything. You are not meant to connect with just anyone or anything. You are not meant to connect and cling consistently with just anyone and anything. There is a biblical order and an expression on earth when it comes to connection, clinging, and doing that consistently. And we're going to get there. Okay. Okay. Here's where we're going to get a little bit into hypocrisy and hoarding. Don't giggle at me. Okay. All right. I can use these words. I can use these words because it's been pointed out in me. Okay? I, I am not operating in self-righteousness and pointing a finger and calling out hypocrisy and hoarding in the body of Christ because it's fun to accuse others. I, I don't, that's not, that's not what's happening, okay? So when it comes to an expression of anything on earth that you gain from him, the body will be in a place of hypocrisy and hoarding if they do not manifest it on earth. If I, I'm going to explain, if I know him, if I know about him that he heals, whether I experience it, this is just an example, whether I experience it for myself or 
I just know him. Okay, I followed him. I've learned about him. I've studied his life. I know that he's a healer. But I don't allow healing to manifest on earth. What is that? That's hoarding. Meaning you're keeping the things that you know about him between you and him. When everything, everything, biblically, everything that he did, everything that Jesus knew about his father, he made known on earth, everything. There wasn't one thing that he withheld because he knew, because he knew him. But he couldn't just keep it between him and the father. He had to walk it out on earth, right? So if, if I know in my daily life that God is good and that he's generous, but I'm nasty, I'm mean, and I'm stingy, but I know about him that he's good and that he's generous, I'm a hypocrite, right? If you know something, but you're not willing to release what you know or allow what you know to transform you, or maybe you do allow it to transform you, but it's just for you, well, then that's hoarding, right? So clinging at connection, relationship, it is the same. If all you desire, if all you desire is him, I, ju I just want to know him. I don't want to talk to any of you. Right? I don't want, I want relationship with him, but I don't. And this might not be something that you're, you're actively aware of. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to, des to desire him. He is, he is your bread of life. You should hunger for him. That hunger should be desperate all the time. Consistent all the time. You should hunger for him. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if you don't hunger for the things that he hungers for, then what is it for? We could use it for anything, just like healing, right? I feel like that's a more tangible, practical example, but it is the same with how we walk out connection and clinging and hunger to know. It's meant to be expressed in, re in relationship with one another. So he was made, or he made us in his image. I'm just gonna go back through them. I think those are the only three we're gonna talk about right now. Made in his image, in his likeness, his deepest desire is for connection and for intimacy. So that is birthed. It is literally in us when we're created. We're born with that same desire. You see it in children all the time. If you're a parent, you see it in your children. Their desire is to be understood and to be known. From birth. Uh, before, this is a side note, but before, um, before I stayed home with our kids, I was a social worker and we did a lot of studies and research specifically on connection and on connection and mental health in infancy and toddlers and children, and that there is a 
There's a lot to it, but there is a response in the brain of a child as they develop that is a response to connection. It can be a response to physical touch. It can be a response to, um, to being spoken to, to being engaged with. And there are developmental delays and there are things that can happen when children are not engaged with, when children are not touched. There's children who in, uh, we studied, you know, children in orphanages who they literally are not enough hands to place on them and the developmental delays or the disabilities that will come as a result from them not being connected with. What's interesting, I'm, set, I, I'm getting us ready to talk more about motherhood and fatherhood. What's interesting is that the greatest connection comes with consistency. The greatest response comes with consistency. And it comes specifically when they see the same two faces. The same faces, the same voice. We talk about consistency in the church. The same faces, the same voice. How many of us have gone or in the body in general, from body to body to body, from leader to leader to leader, right? Or, or a leader. We're going to talk about both aspects. We're going to talk about what leaders are going to have to do to break out of this cycle tonight. And we're going to talk about what the body has to do in order to respond or position themselves appropriately when it comes to leaders and creating a platform for leaders to break out of the cycle. Mm. Okay, I think before we move into that, we'll answer this question. Okay, do we feel like we have an understanding of why we need to cling on earth? At least from like a foundational standpoint. Okay, why that makes sense? All right. Okay, because those are just a couple. So then why is it easier to be alone? What does clinging, what does, what does clinging or relationship on earth produce that would make it easier to be alone? Comfort, it's a lot of work, security, accountability, communication. <laughs> you guys, we know it. <laughs> but then why is it so hard to do it? <laughs> right, right, because it costs you. Because it costs you. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your confidence level. It will cost you, right? It will. It will cost you your pride. It will, it will cost you your comfort. It is not comfortable. It is not comfortable. It is easier to be alone. Even though the depths of our heart will cry out, 
to not be alone, right? Out of this side of our mouth, we will proclaim, I just don't want to feel alone. I don't want to be alone. And God's like, oh, well, I gave you a family. Right? I gave you a family or I gave you a covenant partner. And then he expands that covenant partner and literally gives you, I mean, at least in the order in my life, I'll tell you what the order is meant to be. But the order in my life, he gave me a covenant partner and I still felt alone because I didn't know how to connect. I didn't know how to cling. I didn't know how to, how to, how to communicate consistently, even with my partner. So I'm still walking around 14 years into marriage, feeling completely unknown, completely alone, even though his heart is for me. And I know his heart is for me, but I still feel alone. And that's because we didn't know how to cling on earth. And I, I, have, I have told my husband over and over again, I don't want to talk to you about it. I want to talk to God. I don't know how you're going to receive me. I don't know that you know how to handle me. I don't know that you, I don't know, you don't know me the way he does. You don't know, so when I explain something or when I, when I say something, it's like, God, he just knows. I don't have to explain it. I don't have to go through the process. I don't have to, I don't have to work for it. Like he literally, he just knows me. He formed me. He knew me before, before I was knit together in my mother's womb. So I don't, I don't have to go through that agonizing process of, of being misunderstood or being questioned or being, you know, like of you second guessing something I'm saying, whatever that is in us that, that insecurity comes up or all of those things because the process on earth is so, it, it's so much harder. It's so much harder. But when we don't walk that process on earth out, we are simply not multiplying. We're not multiplying connection. We're not multiplying who he is at a foundational level. I mean, we could walk away just with that. That is the, if we understood fully that the reason he wants you to cling on earth, if there was only one, it would be he wants, sorry, my ear. It would be that. That, that could be it that he wants you to cling on earth because it's, a, it's an accurate depiction and expression of who he is. So I could then say that if I do anything outside of relationship, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. If I do anything outside of relationship, I'm not multiplying him even if I'm serving him. Even if what I'm doing or what I'm laying my hands to is on his behalf. If I'm doing it outside of relationship, I am not multiplying him already. And we wonder why nothing is longstanding and sustainable. 
within the church why nothing is long-standing or sustainable because it's all done outside of relationship. It is not unity. It is not unity to stand next to one another and do the same thing or work alongside one another. That is not unity. You can't have unity without relationship. You can't have unity with not knowing one another or doing the work that it takes to know. It can't be done. It can look like it's being done, but it can't be done. We will do it over and over and over again. When he started releasing this word, what the Spirit said was that we were going back to the original intent. His original design, his original intent is for relationship. But we have gotten so far that we can't even handle having a spiritual mother or having a spiritual father. It's too intimate. <laughs> I can have a pastor. I can have a pastor. I can have someone teach me something, but I sure as heck can't have a mom. As soon as the body shifted into motherhood and fatherhood, there was, a, there was like this, crazy whirlwind of just, whoa. And all God was doing was restoring things to their original intent. Because it has to start with relationship. What is the foundational, fundamental beginning of a relationship? He's going to just keep shouting out the scriptures to back me up. And I appreciate that very much. <laughs> right? So there, there is a process. There is a process. We have been walking out the wrong process. When we break out of this cycle, we have to be willing to start over. The whole body of Christ... The whole body of Christ is listening, right? <laughs> that we, we are going to have to start over. And what that looked like from the beginning was you're sent to multiply, to birth something out of a covenant relationship from a mother and a father. Now, in the church... In the body of Christ, what that means, we talked about maturity. Do you remember when we talked about um, how there, there's meant to be a process of maturing if you actually leave the cross, right? That when we don't stay at salvation, we begin to mature. This is me maturing <laughs> as I'm walking, as I'm following. Okay, in order to mature... I have to first admit that I'm immature and that I start as a baby. Because when you're born again, when you are born, it doesn't matter if you're 
50 years old, if you're 14, if you're 74, it doesn't matter. When you are born again, you are a baby. You are a baby and you, unfortunately, the cycle that we've, that we've found ourselves in within the body of Christ, we, because we ended salvation, we multiply that and then we just say, goodbye, baby. Raise yourself. I'll throw you like a, I'll throw you a sermon, right? Or I'll give you a, I'll give you like a study, a book to read. Would you ever let your baby raise themselves or determine their own needs? Absolutely. My, the, my oldest, most mature child is eight. And even at eight, I wouldn't, she does not know what she needs. Gracie, you do not know what you need. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> right? Okay. So... When I birthed her, I didn't just send her off. She's not ready. There's a process. There's a maturing. There's a growing. And the more she knows me, the more she clings to me, the more she holds on to me, the the quicker she matures, the quicker she develops, the more she understands, and the more of me she has access to. Right? We agree that that is how it's meant to work in our natural families. Yes. Okay. So it is meant to rep, it is the same. It's actually meant to proceed, to go before. But that is the process that we are meant to experience and to walk out and to submit to within the body of Christ. And because that is no longer the process, because we've drifted so far from the original intent, we will even have leaders who are still babies. Leaders who are still babies, who are just raising more babies. If no one ever matures, oh my gosh, that's so stressful to think about. Isn't it? God's like, okay, I'm entrusting you with the world. And we're like, I'm 12. I can handle it. <laughs> you know, like, or, or I'm 14. I've raised like, um, I've raised like five, like seven-year-olds. We got it. But that, that's what, that's what we've done. And it's what we continue to do. Why? Because it's easier to be alone. And I don't want to make it sound like there's a couple things with that. It's easier to be alone because of all those heart, those heart things that sound like nicer. But it's also easier to be alone because then you can create your own kingdom. Because then I can stay prideful. Because then I can be self-righteous. Because then people can need me their whole lives. 
I mean, these are some serious, there are some deep, deep roots to why this cycle will not break in the body of Christ. And if leaders, if, if, if leaders want to see, if they want to see the world restored, reconciled back to him, then they will do the work that it takes to break out of this cycle, to lay their own kingdom down, to lay their pride down, right? Because that cycle that we're breaking out of, leaders perpetuate it and the body responds to it. We're, we, are, we are feeding off of each other. Like, the, like yeah, it's co- codependency. I was thinking of that alien that like sucks. Yours sounds nicer. <laughs> Yours sounds a lot nicer. But again, with leaders and how the body responds, if we are going to be serious about breaking this cycle on earth, it's one thing to break it with him. And for those of you who are new, for those of you who are listening to the fir- for the first time, again, that cycle that we're breaking out of is... You guys remember? Yes, 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 yes. So if we're going to break out of that cycle, then we're gonna have to do the work that it takes to recognize what is it in me that keeps me in that cycle. So it's that cycle of needing him or only calling on him when I'm in just devastating need when I'm desperate, but are you hungry for him all the time, right? That's what we're breaking out of, of being rescued over and over and over again and never just responding because we desire him. Well, that cycle takes place on earth. Leaders will get drained. This is part of why leaders will get drained. They will get sucked dry because they never, one, either demand maturity out of the body because it it gives them purpose okay because they don't they don't know what it means to be a father but they do know what it means you know to to have to have a good word or or whatever and and what that does for them so on earth that that cycle will perpetuate where when we do that with the Father, we only call on him when we are in desperate need, right? Marriage is falling apart, whatever. You don't talk to him any other time until you're in a moment of desperation. It's like, oh yeah, there's a God. Uh, God you know, God, I need, I need this. And then because of his grace, because his heart wants to respond to you, to invite you into this life of pursuing him, He recognizes that opportunity. He extends his hand and he rescues you. And as soon as he rescues you, you're like, I'm good. I'll see you next disaster, right? That cycle happens on earth. It happens on earth all the time. Partially because we don't have our own own relationship with the Lord. I can't tell you how many leaders will say, their first question is, well, what did the Lord say about that? Oh, I... I haven't really talked to him. Okay, well, there's your first problem. 
right? That's part of it. But the other part is because we have this, this, co- this codependency where instead of desiring to simply know someone like we would, like we would desire to know him, we only want to utilize them for our own benefit. That's where we begin to recognize selfishness. Yeah? Does that make sense? And so this cycle has gone on for so long that some leaders, they don't recognize any other way. It is all they know. And you will hear, I have heard many pastors say before, I don't have any friends. I, I don't have any. I, you seem down. Who do you, I don't have anyone to talk to. I've had 20 counseling appointments this week, but I don't have anyone to talk to because we replicate that cycle on earth, right? It is meant to be as it is in heaven on earth now. Now, so that healthy cycle, that healthy cycle is meant to be activated on earth now. And what happens, I'm gonna use Apostle Tanya and Apostle Justin as an example. Hey, so in a healthy relationship, as I begin to pursue them, to know them, this amazing thing happens because this is how he designed us. Okay, I start to, des- I desire to know them. I'm hungry for him. He says, I need you to be hungry for others. I desire to know them. And as I do, who they are, begins to unlock in them. And in response, who I am begins to be unlocked in me. And what that alleviates is need. Because at the end of the day, all of our needs come down to being known and understood. All those, all those, those other things the source, the root, the healthy, the, the, that, that, the, the healthy root of that is to be known. So when we engage, engage in that healthy process, it literally alleviates, it alleviates those, those serious needs. I'm not saying that you won't have, that we don't have needs, but it will literally keep you out of a cycle of crisis when you operate in, in relationship with one another, when you're constantly connected, when you're constantly clinging. Yes? Okay. So there's been a lot, there have been a lot of shifts in the body of Christ and specifically in the body of kingdom heirs. And the reason for that is because, I want to encourage you, the reason for that is because we are moving. It's because we are going from glory to glory. It's because we're on our way to his original intent. 
That, is so, that brings me so much hope. I have experienced some serious hopelessness in my life, waking up to his goodness and to the level of brokenness in the world. Some serious hopelessness. And I can tell you that I am with hope and encouraged by being able to recognize that the shifts that have happened have been because he's responding to our hunger to see things restored and returned to his original intent. If we're going to continue to receive that, we have to fully respond to each shift. He will withhold what is next if you are not ready to receive it. And if you do not steward what he gave you first, well, that's biblical. Why this is encouraging is because the desire of his heart is for you to fully receive. He does not want to withhold anything. He wants you to move from glory to glory. He wants this house to move from glory to glory. He wants the body of Christ to move from glory to glory. But we're doing this. We're not doing this. We're, we're repeating the same cycle. And he's presenting this so that we can begin to ascend. So, this was not planned by me. <laughs> we kind of just kept extending, knowing there was just so much. There's so much that the word for tonight, which has always been a word to go with knowing, but the word for tonight fell on Mother's Day weekend. That's, that's, that's powerful because it's powerful because as this body has shifted and as the body of Christ is meant to shift and move from glory to glory, we are now, we are now in a house that has a spiritual mother and father. So we went from, for those of you who haven't been a part of this process, I can't sum it up right now. Stay and we'll have a conversation. Stay and we'll have a conversation. Connect with us and we, will, we would love to share that process with you because it's not just meant to be ours. We want to get loud about that process because it is not the process of kingdom heirs, it's literally his heart's cry for the entire body of Christ to wake up to the reality of what he always intended for them. And ultimately what he always intended for the world, which he is reigniting a concern for that within the body. We were kind of sleepy about it for a while. Right? We were kind, we, we were, we were unaware to the condition of the world around us because of the cycle. The, the cycle perpetuates selfishness and you, you, can't, you can't be aware of anything outside of yourself if you're only concerned with your needs. We've discussed that. We're all working on it, right? We're responding to that word, right? It is an action. Okay. So with that, as we've gone from glory to glory and as things have shifted within this body, which is meant to shift within the body of Christ, 
we have gone from uh, Apostle Tanya and Apostle Justin being members of the church, could we say that? Being members of a church to then becoming pastors, to then becoming, moving into um, apostolic leadership, and we've all had to learn all of those, you know, all of those things along the way. Okay, Lord, what, what, are, you, what are you doing now? Okay, all right, I got it. Okay, not everyone was, was, was willing or ready to follow, but those who have, that's the process that's developed. Then, all of a sudden, he releases sonship. And... It is clear that his original design is, and his declaration over his children, is that you are sons. You are sons. And the way that that looks on earth is you are meant to be raised up to maturity. And there are those, there are those who are spiritual mothers and fathers who are more mature in the faith and who have who have ascended into another level of glory that are willing to mother and father you so that you then can ascend into another level of glory, be sent out, and multiply. So I believe that we have an opportunity to reconcile that in our hearts, in our minds, if it is something that hasn't been reconciled. And the reason why is because I feel like we are not going to be able to move forward into unlocking those mysteries of his heart, more of the answer, more understanding for transformation and multiplication, until we understand the process, because this process has to be multiplied. But if we're uncomfortable with the process, that's all that will be all that will all that will be multiplied is discomfort, <laughs> or doubt, or confusion, or whatever. Right? Anything can be multiplied, unfortunately. Yes. So, I want us to understand that in this clinging on earth, that it is meant to start with a mother and a father, that you are meant to be set or placed in a family at your birth, at your birth, you are meant to be set, placed in a family, acknowledge that you are a baby, which requires humility. It does. That's part of the problem. That requires humility. Recognize you're a baby. And then walk out a process of maturity. And in that, there has to be clinging, connection, and consistency, just like with him, just like with him, 
And that connection and that, that, that connection, that communication and that clinging, it will multiply. But we will not know how to multiply it maturely or correctly if it doesn't start with a mother and a father. That was the original design. That's all he's done. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. I want to share something that's kind of personal. And then um, I, if you guys are comfortable, I would love for you guys to come up and uh, to just give you some time to be able to tie up anything I said um, and add to it um, or whatever you see, whatever you see is necessary. Um, I ask that every time I release because I am not fully mature. I've not fully matured. And I have a spiritual mother and I have a spiritual father who God literally gave me a dream about and said, you can trust them. And it has not been easy. It hasn't been easy because so much of my heart desires to just be alone with him. That, that's the truth. But that's, that's why I'd like you guys to come up. <laughs> because I am still a daughter, and I'm not yet a mother in that sense. I have biological children, but I call my spiritual mother about many of my <laughs> parenting, my biological children questions. <laughs> Because I am not fully mature in the things of the Lord. I'm not. And I desire to be because I hunger for him more than anything in the world. And I want to transform and multiply his children. That's all. That's all I desire. And I know that in order to do that, in order to do that, that I want to pull on and access the spiritual mother and father that he's given me. Okay. So... I can't even remember what I was going to share. Something personal. Yes. Um, mm. um, I, I, know, I know that we're on live. Um, but I guess I just... Uh, this... Preparing for this word was probably, it's probably a word that I've wrestled with more than any other word I've ever released. Um, when, when we did the compassion series, that was, that was, it was like, I mean, I could, we could talk about that forever. Uh, the compassion series, uh, even the aspects of, of knowing, of, of knowing him, like I shared, it was easy. Um, but the wrestling that came with this was because there is still a part of my heart. There is a part of my heart that 
that, does, that doesn't want to walk this out. I mean, I do. I do because I more than anything want to see transformation. But there is a part of my heart that sometimes when people call me, I don't feel like talking. Is that true? Is that true for anyone else? Thank you, Katie. <laughs> right? That, you, that I don't feel like talking or, um, or there's something going on in me that I don't want to share. Man, we, we have walked through exposure, understanding exposure and transparency and, you know, all of these, all of these concepts. And at the end of the day, this is what it is. This is why. This is why. Because we have to have consistent clinging and connection on earth with one another, with the family that he set you in. Where is your family? Where is your family? I've found mine. I've found mine. And now that I have, as hard as it is, this is what I want to share personally. As hard as it is, or moments where I am so insecure in having to walk this out on earth, in having a brother, in having sisters, in, in all of that, that I will feel so insecure that I just want to run away with him. That is real. I, I've been in that. I, sometimes I'll get in that for weeks where I just, I just want to run away with him. Whatever that looks like, Lord, let's just go hide out for five hours. You know, people are calling me. Oh my gosh, someone else is calling me. Because it, pre- it presses us in a way it, that it's meant to. That it's meant to. But I have found a family. And so now my cry to him is that I would hunger, that I would, that the hunger that I have for him, that I would hunger for connection with this family. that that would be a desire of my heart. And this is not just about the kingdom heir's body. We are all meant to be placed in a family and to grow and develop in maturity in the covering of that family. It is his design. I appreciate your patience and your grace in my scattered thoughts. Like I said, this was a word that I really wrestled with, mainly because it's something that I struggle with. And there was an aspect or a part where I felt like I don't know how to share something that I wrestle with daily. Sometimes I will make a phone call to a brother or a sister when I don't want to. I'll push the button on a phone call because God said, not because I feel like talking. Now, it was easier, it's been easier to cling to a mother and a father because I, I understand that that's his design. That feels natural to me. That's not true for everyone, but that has felt natural to me. But he had to literally kick me off his lap to do it. I mean, he did. He said, I need you off my lap and I'm going to send you here. Like, okay. 
Okay, but don't send me to anyone else. <laughs> Just keep, call your I know, and she's like, there's more, there's more. I'm like, okay. So, I hope that that didn't make you guys terrible. Okay, thank you guys. <laughs> well, I think it's awesome that she talked about personally how it's been easier because it's come natural because that's not necessarily the story for everyone but what I want to say is it's supposed to be because the original intent Mm -hmm. comes from being birthed you learn first how to be a baby before you learn how to interact necessarily with siblings and if you need to learn how to interact with siblings you learn it by understanding who you are with a mother and father right so when you come into a family there's immediate siblings but typically the the process is is they learn how to operate with one another through the eyes of the mother and father. Yeah. How many times has a sibling come to uh, one of the siblings comes to you and you have to express? Yeah. The opposite would be in leadership. Typically, what happens is somebody will express something. Oh, yeah, totally. That's what that person's dealing with. So it causes division because there's that codependency. Ooh, this will feed me. But what a mother does is says, I'm afforded you. I'm not going to talk about the other one that I birthed. What's going on in you? Nobody likes that. (laughs) But that's what happens in a natural family. So just to kind of take this back, I want to go to Genesis 2. Therefore, a man shall leave his father. We are so focused on clinging to the covenant that we do have a bunch of babies who are married with kids saying, but I know better. But you forgot the process that you are to leave a covenant relationship for another one because we're so focused on, does that make sense? Because that part was just supposed to be the original intent and natural. So he didn't need to put a whole bunch of scriptures in there for us to understand because that was just supposed to be obvious. But because we've gotten so separated from the original intent, we're so busy being sent out, like she said, get married, and yet we think that we know how to uh, be a wife to a husband, but I never clung, and I'm not talking in a natural family, I'm talking about in a spiritual family, to be able to learn how to operate as a bride first, to then be sent into That's why we have worship leaders 14, 10 years later dealing with whatever it is because because of the way that we've operated, we're not operating in maturity. So I just want to reiterate that, that I I wanted you to repeat it. But when she said, I just, it, it is one thing to talk about clinging and be like, okay, all right, I'm going to call everyone. She said it very powerfully. You are not to cling to everything. You are not to cling to everything because she said, if you operate with somebody who is not operating in their fullness or maturity, you're going to end up clinging to something that's not from him. That's why the original intent is to be submitted into a family so that the fullness can operate so that you're not multiplying something that's not his. Because if you have your own kingdom over here operating with a brother in Christ and their own kingdom over here, You're just going to multiply either codependency or you're going to multiply division. But when you have the heart of a mother and father, they'll reconcile because division has to go and codependency has to go. And so then there's, then there's that, there's the growth process. 
So when she's talking about that original intent, I want us to remember when she said that you're not supposed to necessarily cling to everything because it, it is first you leave the father to cling. So then you need to know what the father has to say about you. And it never stops. Yes, you can leave, but if there's ever an opportunity where after I've left and then I'm clinging and something comes up, I know where I can go back to. Right? Okay. Then I want to read because I want us to get excited about what's to come. Because how amazing is it? She kind of just took us through from what was the first one? Church membership. For me personally, little sister, to part-time minister, to home group leader, to financial counselor, to family development minister, to pastor, to that got weird when it was apostle. <laughs> that was a big, that was a big shift. I remember specifically Megan being, I don't even remember what you were doing, but you were like, my ankles. The ankles aren't strong. That's all I remember about the apostle shift. Do, do you guys remember that? Okay. So then we move into that. What has the Lord been talking to, talking to us about? That the maturity to sonship, isn't that so powerful? To mature into sonship. To mature to the original intent. How powerful is that? So she's getting bold about, this isn't just for our family. Well, that was a weird process Kingdom Heirs went through. They do that over there. It was meant for you. It's just the original intent. I don't know how many times I've people say, well, I don't understand this mother-father thing. Have you read the scriptures? Paul, every single, yes, Paul, the apostle. Also, Timothy, you are my son. It is over and over and over again. Few teachers, or many teachers, few fathers, right? Malachi 4.4, hearts of the son. It's not abnormal. It's the original intent, but because of the separation, it's like, it's almost like the original intent of who he is is kind of like, it's totally jarring, but it's, it's him. Okay, so I want us to get excited about 1 Corinthians 2 because I want to make sure that we're bold, that it's okay to say that there's a maturing process. It's okay to say baby, right? Because if I can't admit that I'm a baby, then I don't have a right to claim 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where it says that a certain type of wisdom is given to those who are mature. Let me say it this way. If I have children... They all have access to my inheritance, but it is not automatic. The access is available, but it's not automatic, right? You guys are not amending me. Most people think, but salvation means the fullness. If that's just the beginning, just like in a natural family, I would not hand my car keys to Renna. She has access to everything that I have, but there is a maturing process before that gets to her, right? That is in the natural, but all of a sudden we have pride in the church and it's like, don't you not give me those keys. I am saved and I have a relationship with him and he told me that I can have the key, right? This is, this is, this is an aspect that's hard for us when we're older and married and have kids and all of that. It's hard to go back to the original intent that I might not be ready for those keys. That's okay. Here's why. Because if you can humble yourself that you're not ready for the keys, then you can get excited about what the keys are. And then it gets you hungry for the process. 
if she knows what's coming, she's not going to be like, I mean, I guess she could, and then stay in, in a place. But if she knows what's coming, then she'll be hungry for that process. So let me read this to you. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Remember, it's if any man in Christ. Not you all are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, you shall be a new creation. That means there's a choice there. You have access to be a new creation. It doesn't mean you are one. Okay? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, or we would not be crucifying the process. But as it is written... What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. What that means is, is that you have access to be able to understand and hear what no ear has heard. Let me say it this way. What no ear has heard, meaning Moses didn't hear it. Meaning Joseph didn't hear it. What no eye has seen, meaning Paul didn't see it. This is big. The kingdom's big. I've always read that scripture, what no ear and flagstaff has seen, heard, heard. Maybe our ears see. Our hearts have eyes. It's all right. <laughs> I read that scripture, what no ear and flagstaff has heard. What no eye in America has seen. No, what no eye. It has not entered the heart of man yet what you have access to. Not, not anyone not anyone has what can be deposited in your heart. You need some business wisdom? Mature. What, what, I mean, I'm talking creative wisdom. We are co-creators. The uncreated realm is limitless. I was talking about this the other day. You can sit outside and you hear the trees and you hear the bird. You, th you guys know that the New Testament says that this beautiful thing says that... <laughs> The unseen realm is more prevalent than the seen realm, but we'll act like the seen realm is more prevalent than the unseen realm. There's a lot in this seen realm. There is more in the unseen realm than what is on the seen realm, and you have access to it that no man has seen. If you're dealing with poverty, we can break that off right now. This is not meant for one person. It is limitless. In fact, it's so limitless that whatever is depart, uh, deposited into you, you are a co-creator. You create the, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I, just a couple minutes. Okay. When Yeshua said, if you look at a woman, you've committed adultery. We can take that as the rules and regulations, right? And we've, we've preached that, that Yeshua was basically saying, you just can't do it without me. I'm going to make it worse, right? Because there was all the laws and there's like 600 of them. And then he was like, and then I'm going to make it worse because if you even think about it, now you've done it. Think about this. If you thought it, it happened. There is a realm that your thoughts, which are energy, 
and frequency that creates in an unseen realm. So you have the power to begin to, um, what I'm getting at is that no ear has heard, no eye has seen, that we have the ability to access things that no man has, it has not entered his heart. That's the type of, That's, that's Yahweh's world. But it says, if you're not mature, you don't get that. So we're going back to the original intent to mature us into a place to be able to, what did she say? Ascend. We've been talking about wanting to live in the uncreated realm. It comes from operating out of that original intent to say, oh, I'm so hungry for that type of maturity. And, I'm, and the reason why is could you imagine if he didn't implement a process and he gave codependency people or um, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? If they knew things that nobody else knew, it would, well, That's actually, oh, now I'm going down the road. That's actually happening. That's why he needs his sons to wake up. Okay? Because Satan knows that. So that's why he needs his sons to mature because it's sonship. Kings rule in little kingdoms. Sons inherit, inherit, I'm saying that wrong, inherit the whole, the whole kingdom. So there's access as a son that doesn't come through, through anything else. Priest, Lord. Sonship gives you access to rule and reign the whole kingdom. So that's why all of creation, all of creation is yearning for the manifestation of what? <laughs> that's another scripture. Don't think small. I've always thought all of creation, all of the trees and flagstaff are waiting for me to wake up. He's like, no, the cosmos are at war because we're the only ones that get to call him daddy. We're the only ones out of all, and I'm just going to say it, out of all the beings that were created, I'm just going to say that, you're the only one that has access to be a son. And it is only sons that have, have the ability to be able to rule and reign. And we need to be reconciled to that so that earth can be reconciled back to its original intent. And so what's happening is, is all of creation... The cosmos are at war saying, can you please get this? All of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So when she's talking about walking it out on earth, that's the manifestation of sonship on earth. Because all of creation is yearning. And what it's going to manifest is no eye has seen it. No ear has heard it. It has not entered any man's heart what is about to be manifested on this earth. That's why we're breaking the cycle because usually our own kingdoms also release a know-it-all. Unteachable, Greek-American mindset. I already know all that. Do not come to me with another perspective. You want to operate in a maturity where no eye has seen? Can you imagine when you start speaking about things you have nobody's ever seen before? I'm telling you guys, it's going to get weird. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. And you think, well, I wasn't taught that. Well, I... That's the maturing process because it's going to get weird. It should get weird. We're reconciling back to the original intent. Amen? 
<laughs> we had uh, somebody come and visit, very anointed, and, and he, it was interesting because he told us, I get the strong sense that God's going to do something through this ministry that the world has never seen before. And it sounded crazy, but that's like what we're talking about. That's exactly what we're talking about. It's a tangible example. And the funny thing about going back to the original intent is like the end is the beginning. Like where we're at right now, what we're walking out right now, when I think about when I was first born again, some of the first prophetic words that I can remember being spoken over us that we did not understand at the time, God said, the father's calling you father, mother to many. We didn't, we didn't understand that, but God knew our heart and he basically took, took us through a process, a father and a mother's heart, and he shoved us into a, a cycle or a system that was maybe lacking that. And he, he forced us into the box of being pastors, right? He's, <laughs> he, we started as a son and a daughter called a father and a mother, and he stuck us into a pastor box. He stuck us into a financial counselor box. He stuck us into even an apostolic box so that we could walk. He took the father's heart and the mother's heart and stuck it into a cycle so we could walk ourselves out of the cycle back to the beginning to have a full revelation of being a father and a mother. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you because whatever God said to you when you were born, Right? Whatever he called you, whatever he named you when you were born, you probably couldn't understand it. I know we couldn't. And he may take you and walk you through a process that looks nothing like what he called you. Because he needs you in a place that isn't manifesting what he called you so that you can transform it to, to fully realize what he called you. Does that make sense? It's like going back to the original intent is this is crazy because right now we're walking in more revelation of what God said at the very beginning than we ever have. And it's been the same words. He's been speaking the same words and it's like, I don't understand, Lord. We don't understand, Lord. Why do you keep saying this? Why do you? And everything around us didn't match what God was saying until right now. And it's like, oh, now I understand why you said that at the very beginning, right? And as we close tonight, we're just going to speak a blessing over the mothers of the house. We're going we're gonna to surround this invaluable blessing that the Lord has given all of us. Is that every... So I was, as I was thinking about mothers and just praying about this amidst all the stuff that's going on right now. Um, the Lord really stirred me that there's something about sanctity of life. And when we say that term, usually we think about being pro-life and, and anti-abortion and things like that. But I, I think the Lord was stirring that it's even beyond that, that things will start to shift in this new era if we rediscover a greater level of honor for mothers and the sanctity of life. And I think what the Lord wants to do is just impart like a rediscovery 
of the original intent. There's, there's something about mothers that I just want to speak over you guys, and I, wanna, and I want us to surround. We can all, let's all stand up and let's just surround mothers because there's something that when we really tap into a greater level of honor for mothers, it doesn't have to be your own mother. It should be your own mother, but not limited to your own mother, just mothers in general, right? And I want to I say this in Genesis 3.20, I just want to talk about this, this verse, Genesis 3.20. says, Adam, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. I want you guys to close your eyes. I want the mothers to close your eyes. And I want you to picture this. I want you to picture being in the garden. And a lot of times we hear this, he called his wife Eve. And it wasn't a situation where he just where God created his wife and she was there and he just went, oh, that's Eve. I'm just, I think her name should be Eve. It was, there was a trembling. He cried out. Something was being created for him and he cried out in a way when he called her Hava. Hava was the name that he called her. And he cried out in such a way. And when it says he called her Eve, he commissioned her. He appointed her. He summoned her. He invited her. He didn't just say, this is what your name is. When we talk about going back to the original intent, Adam commissioned Eve. And her name means life, breath of life. The mother of all living, the source of life, the breath of life on earth. He commissioned her. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this rediscovery, God. Let there be a greater level of understanding of who these women are, Father, these women that we call mothers, Lord, that in the garden, in the very original design, the first man on the face of the earth commissioned his wife. He appointed his wife because he recognized that she was the very breath of life on earth. She was, the, she was the pattern in the original type of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father. We just pray, open our minds up as we honor, as we step into a greater level of honor in the most practical ways, in the, most, in the, in the, in the simplest ways that we could uh, uh, strive to recognize and honor the sanctity of life, the breath of life that we've been given on this earth in mothers. Lord, that even that could change a nation. I thank you for these women that we're surrounding here tonight, Father, that we would lay down our lives over and over and over again because they are so holy and sanctified, Father, and that's what you gave us as a representation, the original pattern of the Holy Spirit standing before us. The original pattern of Yeshua called the original pattern of the Holy Spirit and commissioned her. And so, Lord, we just thank you, Father, how going back to the original tent, intent, how much does that smash just so much of the theological garbage that's spoken over our mothers that nobody could tell you you're, you're not commissioned, you're not appointed, you haven't been summoned, you haven't been invited, you haven't been called, you haven't been qualified because that was the first thing in your existence, the first thing that happened was you were commissioned. 
And so, Lord, we just thank you. We value. Lord, teach us as men and as children how to value and honor mothers in a greater way. Let us as men honor our wives. Let us as men teach our children to to always, to do nothing but honor mothers. And Lord, we just thank you and we just uh, release that impartation of rediscovery and greater understanding of the original intent in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.